Greetings and welcome back to What is California, a podcast featuring conversations with notable Californians in a quest to understand the Golden State. I'm your host, Stu Van Aersdale, and we are back from break. Thank you very much for letting me take a week off, much needed week off before we wrap up season two of this humble undertaking. So good to be back with you. My guest today is the amazing writer, Sarah Miller. She's based in Nevada County, the beautiful Sierra Foothills up here in Northern California, and she writes the Real Sarah Miller newsletter on Substack, as well as co-hosts the podcast Didn't See It, Don't Need To with Joshua Clover and the podcast Very Specific Interviews. Sarah also contributes to publications, including The New Yorker and The New York Times, um, Harper's Bazaar, among many others. We'll be talking about some of her work in this show And I'm really excited to bring Sarah on the show because I've been reading her for a very, very long time. And her voice is singular, funny, searing, and uh, her perspective on California, particularly over the last year during fire season and a series of essays she wrote about fire season in Nevada County. um, That really stuck with me, and I think it will stick with you as well. So you can find links to all of this and more of Sarah's work in the show notes for this episode. Sarah's also just very, very funny and, uh, and honest. This is a very candid conversation as well about what it's like being in a place like Nevada County, which is kind of being pulled two ways, to the left, to the right. Sarah has her uh, distinct take on that phenomenon as well. And in keeping with the discourse of the week, we may have started off our conversation with uh, an exchange about a particular slap you may have heard about uh, from the weekend you know, and I, I've been thinking about it a lot, actually. I don't know about you, but it's been kind of, um, I don't want to say haunting. That's kind of dramatic, but it has really preoccupied me. You know, I, I don't think it's just a couple of millionaires, you know, who have a beef or having a little bit of a, a skirmish. I mean, that is, that was, that was some dark, dark shit. <laughs> we saw at the Oscars. That was some dark stuff. And so, uh, it was interesting to kind of start the conversation off with Sarah getting her thoughts about that because, you know, what I really enjoy about reading her work is her ability to kind of balance this distance with really um, acutely close observation. Sometimes it doesn't even feel like it's observation. Sometimes it feels like, why am I reading this? What does this have to do with anything? And um, the uh, newsletter entry she writes uh, this week called people I've punched. Uh, it's kind of like that. You know, you're like, oh, okay, it's tangentially related to what happened at the Oscars, but it's not. It's actually about, you know, how we react to um, really overwhelming situations. And it is a fresh take on something that I think we've all seen a million of the same takes about. And that's just, you know, emblematic of why Sarah is special and why her writing is so wonderful. So I hope you'll uh, check out her newsletter, The Real Sarah Miller on Substack, as well as her podcasts, also on Substack. And speaking of Substack, you can subscribe to ours at whatiscalifornia.substack.com. That will get you a free podcast episode in your inbox every Thursday morning and a roundup of weekend links, cool California stories in your inbox every Friday. If you have any comments or questions or thoughts or hate mail, love notes, you know where to find me. Hello at what is California. I'd always love to hear from you. Again, it's really good to be back with you and it's great to talk to Sarah Miller. So without any further ado, let's get to it. Here's me with Sarah Miller on what is California. Enjoy. 
Sarah Miller, welcome to What is California? How are you doing today? I'm happy because it's sort of raining outside. Mm-hmm. So I'm fine. Uh, also, I wrote a post last night. You do a podcast called Didn't See It, Don't Need To with Joshua Clover. And yeah. the most recent episode was about the Oscars. Yeah. And then this morning, your newsletter entry was about people I punched. And I was wondering <laughs> if that was like timed to the Will Smith, Chris Rock and Brolio. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, last night. Uh, so I didn't watch the Oscars. I would have watched it uh, if I wasn't against watching it. I just... I tried to watch it and I realized that there was no, I I have like a million different, you know, Hulu, HBO. And I was just like, the only way I was going to watch it was by paying somebody like 70 more dollars than I already pay. And I was just like, I don't care that much. And um, we went to a hot springs this weekend and I wrote a post about that. So I was writing that and my boyfriend was in the other room doing something else. And then at the same time, my boyfriend was like, oh my God. Will Smith just punched Chris Rock. And I was like looking it up at the same time, like frantically Googling the video of. So, and then, and then my boyfriend was like, you have to write about this. That's all anyone's talking about. And I was like, I don't have anything to say about that at all. Like, I just don't have anything to say about it. Like I, it seems like it wasn't a good idea. It's not the worst thing that's ever happened. That's like my take on it. (laughs) And, um, uh, I mean, it wasn't like punching Chris Rock. I don't think it was a great idea, but I'm also like, I just don't really care. Um, and then I was, and, and then I was, I thought, oh, well, I'll just write about this. It never but, gets old. Writing about people you've punched. I mean, that is Have you ever punched evergreen. anyone? I have never punched anybody. No, I've been punched. I've been that person. I've been the punchy. I've never been the puncher. Alas. Uh, well, you have to find the right opportunity <laughs> to punch yeah. someone. Cause you, it's not like something that one, you know, does every day, but no, 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 I don't regret any of my, any of my punches or the pulling the woman out of a taxi, which <laughs> I would do in a heartbeat again. <laughs> so where are you in California? What part of the state do you call home? Uh, I live in Nevada County and I've lived here for about 12 years. How did you and end up there? I moved here with, uh, someone I was dating from LA and then we broke up and then I just stayed here. I'd lived in a lot of places. I've lived in, I lived in Los Angeles for about 10 years. I lived in New York for about four years. And then two, I lived in New York for two years when I first graduated from college. And then I lived there for like four or five years later. I lived in Chicago. Anyway, I, I came here and I was kind of like, I definitely got to the point where it's like, no matter where you go, there you are kind of thing, even though that's like a really kind of obnoxious, like hippie saying or something. But, and then I met my current partner. I've been with him for almost 10 years. So God, I've been here longer than 10 years, I guess, or 12. God, I don't know how long I've been here, maybe 14 years. So I, but when I met him and and he's kind of um, committed to living here for various reasons, I was like, all right, this is the end of the road for me. But you're not from here originally, right? I'm from Massachusetts. I'm actually from Lenox, Massachusetts, which is, I feel like Berkshire County, which is Western, it's the Western sort of one quarter of Mass, you know, Massachusetts sort of like a box with Cape Cod on the end. And like Berkshire County is sort of the last quarter of like that box. Uh, I'm from there. And it's actually, I feel like it's somewhat similar to Nevada County in that it's like 
a rural area that's about two and a half hours away from cities. So it's like two and a half, it's a little bit, it's like three hours from New York or two and a half hours from Boston. And it's like a little bit like uh, conservative and then a little bit sort of a hippie element. But I grew up there in the 70s and in 80s. What is your earliest memory of California? And why do you think that memory has stuck with you? Uh, I remember the first place I went in California really was St. Helena. I flew to, I had a friend from college that lived in St. Helena. And it was really crazy that that's the first place I went because St. Helena is so incredibly beautiful. And like I think we landed in SFO and I was like 18 or 19. I'd never been to California. I don't think I'd ever been anywhere actually except for Florida and New England. I have seen every inch of New England, I assure you. And it was just we her friends, my, my friend's mom lived in just kind of a modest house, but it had a beautiful backyard. It was like um like gr- grapes growing on like a lattice type um, you know, porch thing and then a beautiful garden and um her mother took us to this really nice restaurant. Like, I don't think, I don't think French laundry existed then, but it was kind of like a predecessor to French laundry, which is a place like I would never probably go. Cause I would just, I just, it's just out of my league, like expense wise, but, and her mom didn't have a lot of money, but it was like clearly important for her to take us. We went to this like sick restaurant and the food, I was just like, you gotta be kidding me. Uh-huh. It was so much better than anything. I'd like what, eaten. what did you have? I don't remember. I just remember. I, I, I just remember that we had salad and like the vegetables were, you know, way better than any vegetables I'd ever had. And we had like some kind of chicken with like a mustard sauce. And, I, I, you know, I just had never eaten anything that good. And all like the sunlight and the flowers. I, I rem- So the, my first memory actually is like being in St. Helena and sort of seeing the sun come down through the like the lattice work. And I was like, oh, this place is really nice. <laughs> in what ways has your area of California, Nevada County, and, and the environs changed since you've been there? I've always had really mixed feelings about Nevada County, Nevada City. I think it's really beautiful here. I I like my life here. I feel a little out of place here. Um, I feel like Northern California is like a very earnest environment. Uh, I'm not really earn- an earnest person. Um, I don't make friends easily here. Although I've heard that lots of people don't make friends easily here. Um, I'm a native and it's hard for me to make friends here, Sarah. So (laughs) I think Northern California is honestly, I think it's an incredibly weird place and I really don't know why, but I also, one of the things I do like about Nevada County is that I think people here care less like what you do. Um, like when I lived in New York and Los Angeles, I think people care a lot about like, you know, how sort of how much cultural capital you have as a person or how much money you have, even if they don't say that. And I'm not talking about like specific people that I was friends with in either place, but I think there's a sort of ethos of that. And I think people in Nevada County, like honestly don't give a shit. Um, I, or I haven't run across people like that here. And in some ways that's like boring because it's like, I feel like people don't, want to talk about things that are, it's hard to, it's harder to have, like, I feel like it's harder for me to have interesting conversations with people here than it was in New York or Los Angeles. But at the same time, I feel like people kind of care or more like, oh, you're just a person and you're alive and therefore you deserve to exist. Where like in New York, I feel like you kind of have to like buy your way into like being allowed to be a person. But 
Oh, but as far as it's how it's changed, I mean, I think the frequency of fires have really changed things. I think people's awareness of like climate change has kind of made people a little bit down um, or a lot down um, and a little bit shut down emotionally because it's just like hard to talk about something that's just so terrible and is just going to get worse, I think. I feel like there's a lot of people here who are sort of like Nevada County is like for people who are from here and um, there's a lot more of factionalism than there probably than I noticed before. Uh, but I always was sort of like blown away by the conservatism that I find here being from having lived in, you know, Massachusetts, basically, and then New York, and then Los Angeles. And, you know, I realize that probably has a lot to do with the kind of people that I hung out with. Mm -hmm. And like, there's, you know, there's like a lot of like anti-vaxxers here and stuff like that anti-vaxxers and the conservative people here have kind of like teamed up. Um, and, you know, so like hippie type people are kind of like hanging out with, you know, conservative people. And it's just, it's just really, really bizarre. So wait, is that a place where then hippie people and like the anti-vax crowd, these conservatives that you describe, are they coexisting happily or is it just kind of a necessity? No, I think that like COVID really brought conservative people, sort of like Trump people, and then sort of like formerly apolitical hippies together, sort of under the banner of like the um, like hating any kind of authority or um, being feeling like they're like forced to do things. I think a lot of it is like reason. I mean, I'm not anti-vax, but I think a lot of it is sort of reasonable um, anxiety about the healthcare system that doesn't obviously doesn't care about people at all. So all of a sudden they're like, you have to get vaxxed. And they're like, well, you don't care about like that I had to get an angioplasty or you don't care that, you know, I have to pay $7 billion for my insulin. So all of a sudden you want me to get vaxxed, like go fuck yourself. But then I think a lot of it is about people just thinking that their bodies are pure and that they shouldn't be like violated by this substance. And I think that has a lot to do with like white supremacy, which I think kind of bleeds into hippie, hippie values about um, health. <laughs> and I think those people kind of have found each other. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that before, but it makes well, a lot of sense. Well, if you lived here, you sure would have, because you'd be surrounded by <laughs> What are your favorite or most affecting California locations? Like how has geography influenced or impacted you and who you are? Well, I really love the Yuba and I try to get there when I can, when it's not too crowded. Um, although I'm, I, I mean, it's sort of unfortunate that so many people go there, but I also don't think like anyone owns it. And I also think it would be a lot less crowded probably if parts of it weren't like private, which is mm. complete bullshit. <laughs> like people like I own this part of the river. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, that might change uh, someday if there's like a popular uprising about that, which I don't think is totally impossible. Um, mm. Since again, it's like completely ridiculous that people should like own parts of the river. Um, and I look forward to a day when they find out how ridiculous that is uh, by having it seized. <laughs> by people who would like to uh, go there and have a natural right to it as human beings. Um, so I really like the Yuba. Uh, I love I love LA. 
I really miss LA. I probably would have stayed there if like if sort of circumstances hadn't pulled me up here. Uh, I love going to the beach um, in Malibu. Um, and I love Silver Lake. I love being on the train that goes between, you know, like or Auburn and, you know, uh, Sacramento and San Francisco, like going over the, I think it's, which bridge is it the, in Richmond? The, is it the Carcate? Carquinas. Carquinas. Okay. Yeah. I love like Clarksburg. I think the Delta is really beautiful. Like I was a big fan of um, Wayne. Is it Tebow's Tebow. paintings? Tebow? Tebow. I was really, yeah, I really liked his work about that. Um, and I, I, I think Nevada County is beautiful. Um, just, it's nice. I just like walking on the, on the NID ditches here and um, Lake Tahoe is amazing. I actually, I wish Lake Tahoe didn't have any, again, I just wish Lake Tahoe didn't, wasn't a tourist place. I, I hate that Lake Tahoe was a sacred place for indigenous Californians. And now it's just like, uh, has like a lot of, you know, places to get, you know, omelets after you're, you go hiking. Uh, somebody said to me once, like they, when they go to Lake Tahoe, they're just, they just put their hands like over their face. So all they can see is the lake. <laughs> and um, I actually swam in it for the first time two years ago. Cause I was just like, Oh, Lake Tahoe. Like I just, all I could see when I went to Lake Tahoe was like buildings. Mm-hmm. And then I swam in it and I was like, Oh, this is really amazing. I mean, Sacramento actually is really beautiful. I was all, like, when I first moved here, I was like, Oh, Sacramento, like whatever, but it is a really beautiful city. And I, ha- I still haven't like gotten on a, I I've written, I've written on the bike, on the river trail on a bicycle, but I would like to just like get a bike one day or have, I have one and bring it down there and just like ride around town. There's so many beautiful houses and trees. And How and when did you become a writer or know that you wanted to become a writer? I've never really done anything else. So, I mean, I, I always was like good at writing or whatever. Um, and then when I was in college, I took uh, which I initially like freshman year, I didn't do very well in college because I was like, so intimidated by everyone and all the professors were like really mean to like basically anyone who didn't go to prep school or like a really good public school that totally understood like what you were how you're supposed to like do that whole thing and then so I was just like oh I guess I'm not really that good at writing and then I took a fiction writing class and there was only two people in it that could write and I thought everyone else was like terrible and I was one of those people I was like oh I guess I'm pretty good at this so uh, that's when I sort of like, oh, maybe I'll do this. And then I start. I worked at the Philadelphia Gay News. That was like my first real job when I was 25. Before that, I just sort of bummed around for a couple of years. And then it was just, then I, I just, I worked at the Philadelphia Weekly. And then I started working for magazines in New York. So I just basically started doing it. And then I didn't really stop. Your work feels uncompromising in the best way possible. Um and I think we can kind of, any listener who has uh, gotten this far in the chat, I think can understand uh, what I'm about to ask as far as like, how did your voice and your style emerge and evolve over the years? It's funny that you say it's uncompromising because I feel like my work is like incredibly compromised. Like I really? feel like there's a lot of things that I don't say. Well, I don't know. Um, wow. But I guess all writing's that way though, right? You have, you have to kind of like, you know, it's, it, it's economics. You have to kind of determine what's, what's, what's worth including, what's not worth including. Yeah, know? that's what's true. Um, this probably sounds really obnoxious, but I think it's just natural. You've always had 
this voice you've always had? I think, you know, I think one of the big things is for me, like when I am being like honest, which I feel like I mostly am, um, I feel really uncomfortable not telling the truth about how I feel about something. It just makes me feel really uncomfortable to physically uncomfortable, really anxious if I'm not saying something I want to say. And also I feel like the things I say are so obvious and unremarkable. Like I, and so people are like, you're really brave. And I like, people always say that to me, like, you're so brave. And I, I feel like I don't feel brave at all. I really don't like feel like a brave person. I just feel like I, I don't understand. I guess I just, I don't understand how other people like, don't just say what they think. Um, you know, there's this line that you have in a New York times piece that you wrote back in, I want to say 2019 that has stuck with me ever since I read it. And you were writing about the phenomenon of Karens right around the time that phenomenon kind of came to prominence. And you defined the Karen as, I think most of us kind of intuitively know what a Karen is, but you defined it as quote, middle-aged white moms who are always asking for the manager and calling the police on perfectly fine pool parties and wondering why kids are so obsessed with their identities. End quote. As a girl growing up in Massachusetts, um, you wrote that you were already aware of this dynamic in some of your peers and you challenged that dynamic and doing so drew people to you. Cause I think you were just kind of describing about your writing today, but you wrote this line that has stuck with me ever since you said for once I had been myself and won. And so I, I think about that a lot because I, I've wondered like, how can you be yourself? and win in almost anything these days, you know, um, and not be alienated or marginalized or quote unquote canceled or whatever. So maybe this interpretation is a too overdetermined or too literal, but I wonder how that strain of individuality that you wrote about carries over to the present day, if you know what I'm saying, specifically like, how do you think California in particular makes it easier for you to be yourself and to win? Well, I mean, I think in some ways it makes it harder because I feel like it is hard to be myself. I, I feel really like weird in Northern California. Like I feel like very visible um, socially. I don't mean like in the town, like I don't think everyone in Nevada County is like talking about me right now, but like when I lived in New York or Los Angeles, I did not feel like so different from other people. So now I feel very different uh, a lot um, in the sense that I'm like more outspoken or like more abrasive or more, um, you know, just willing to be critical of things um, or to be, I don't know, just to be honest about how how things are. so I think I living here has made me more aware of be, feeling a little bit different. And then I also like, I kind of feel like I live in a foreign, like California is like both where I live, but then also feels like a foreign country. And I think sometimes if you feel like you live in a foreign country, you're like, it makes, it kind of makes you feel like more alive in the sense that you're constantly like noticing the experience of like, of being like, I feel much more like when I'm in New York city, I feel like I just disappear Mm -hmm. and it's really relaxing Mm -hmm. in a way. Like I I was on the subway in New York, like six months ago or something, or 
And I noticed that I was surrounded by people and I didn't, I had this experience in Sacramento actually yesterday too. I was like, well, I'm surrounded by people, but I'm not looking at them because I'm not afraid of any of them or I don't feel like separate from them. Or like, I, I just feel like they're like, oh, humanity. And when I'm in Nevada County, I'm like really conscious of every person mm. because I'm really conscious of like how separate I feel and different I feel from them. Yeah. Well, your bio on your newsletter does describe you as a reluctant resident of semi-rural Northern <laughs> California, right? And yeah. I, I, that's that's your words, not mine. Why why do you say reluctant? Because I just don't. I don't. I I I like my life here, but I just like culturally feel like super separate from this place. Mm. So, and I wouldn't. Um, it's just like you know, I live here. I'm not going anywhere for right now because like it's just logistically is like not going to happen. Plus I don't, I'm not, I don't feel like that needs to happen, but I do feel, I feel like I'm like a New York person or a Los Angeles person that lives in Northern California. Yeah, I do. And I don't even mean that like, Oh God, this place sucks. Like New York's so cool. LA is so cool. I mean, I think those places are like, they're too expensive, but yeah, I don't, I definitely kind of, um, especially, I guess it's especially, because now also there's like just this really weird um, sort of fascist element in Nevada County. I'm just kind of like, I feel like very distant from it. Yeah. I, I did want to ask about the tension that is in your work between you and, and the place where you live. I mean, I definitely sense the exasperation and the frustration there. I think anyone who reads it could, but I also sense a lot of love and a lot of tenderness, uh, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it's there in stories like The Bridge Dog um, and other work in your newsletter, Fire Season. Yeah. So it's, it's not always explicit, but I do imagine these kind of, these little, or I guess big even, reckonings going on behind the scenes as you write. Am I imagining that? No, I mean, I think like, I mean, one of the things I really liked about this place when I moved here was like the weather. And now like we don't have weather anymore. Mm -hmm. So basically I'm just like, shit, I wish I had just appreciated the first five years where I lived here when we had weather. (laughs) So (laughs) I guess I kind of think like, I guess I kind of think like, I, I think it's funny that I used to complain about this place because if it had weather like it used to have, I feel like I could not complain about it. I just, I'm, and I'm sad for everyone who I'm sad for every single person in this County and the state and this whole country who is even, even the people that I sort of am afraid of or dislike who, or who I think are like, you know, tilting towards fascism or are fascists. I sort of have, I have, I'm sorry for everyone in this country. That's not a really rich person and has had to watch like, and, and, and it will continue to watch like our entire, you know, ecosystem like collapse because we were really forced to live in this system that we didn't sign on for. Right. And, and that so gets- I feel like that, that's how I kind of feel about Nevada County. I'm just like, I feel, you know, I feel bad for, for everyone that has to live with with, with watching this place become uninhabitable, which we will have to do. I don't know how fast that's going to be or how slow, but, and, you know, I miss, I miss this place being more habitable. 
you know, uh, and, and, you know, fire season is coming up and or already almost here, whatever. And I just like, I'm going to have to endure that. And I'm going to, it's just like, I don't even want to start enduring it before I have to. Maybe we can reflect on last fire season, if that's okay, because you did write this series for your newsletter, which I found just wonderful and yeah, disheartening and um, alarming, but also (laughs) sublime. And again, kind of getting at that tension that comes from being someone who, you know, is a person in the world and that little segment of the world, but also just exasperated and kind of overwhelmed with everything you just described in the fire season series. I think it's like eight parts um, just to cut for listeners. I'll put the link in the show notes, but so last summer you wrote this series of dispatches from Northern and Southern California as the river and Dixie and Bennett fires burned. And it seemed like it started kind of almost instinctively, but then evolved into a story of what fire season does to California's brains and to our bodies and our environments usually without us even taking note of it. And it was the first piece or series of pieces that I read that I think got at that in a meaningful way or relatable way that wasn't just, you know, actuarial. Um, You know, we're just consumed with the AQI, you know, the air quality index, for example, um, or the imminent danger to our homes and what's PG&E's excuse today. So, um, I'm going to quote from one of your entries here. It's number seven. It says, quote, I don't feel safe anymore. A friend of mine wrote on Twitter, quote, California is the only place I've ever wanted to live. I have no idea how to plan for the future. And I thought, yep, the vastness of this problem, the number of lives affected, and I know it's not just here, is so hard to wrap the mind around that most people probably don't even try. I try. I probably should just stop trying. I should maybe just let life do its thing. So that to me kind of says it all. And I was wondering if you could just maybe uh, unpack a little bit of that and, and why fire season had the impact on you that it did enough to kind of write multiple installments of this and kind of tease it out over the season. I started writing the fire season thing because um, I really couldn't think about anything else. There was really nothing. Uh, there was really nothing else for me to say about anything that was going on. It was so it was so bad. Um, it was just, it was just constant and we didn't really see the sun here for like weeks. Um, and it was constant fear and it was constant. It was also really, really hot, uh, hotter than it usually is. And, um, so I just wanted people to know what it's like. You know, I think people just don't, they don't really get it. I actually, and part of me felt a little bit guilty. I think there's this narrative about climate change that is, both true and I think is also like kind of an op, um, which is like people that poor people are, um, poor people and non-white people are more affected by climate change. This is definitely true. I also think this is like a narrative that is spread to make people think that they are safe from climate change. I truly believe that. Like, Mm -hmm. I think it's like, and it's also like a way for people who, know that climate change is really bad, but want to 
but do care about other people. So it's like a way for them to look like they care about other people while not taking um, on the truth of like their own personal danger. So on the one hand, like I'm an incredibly lucky person. I have like a decent job and I live in like a nice home. On On the other hand, like I, we're all like, I'm an incredibly unlucky person in the sense that I have to spend like like five months of every year, like in a heightened sense of, of panic mm-hmm. yeah, and be surrounded by other people who are doing that. And so I like really wrestle with that. Cause I also feel like being on Twitter and like being a jerk, a, a writer, there's this like whole thing of like, don't feel bad for yourself. Don't say that like, Oh, poor me. Like if you're like a white person with money and like, I totally get all that. And again, I also get that climate change is like, a much worse thing sort of statistically in, you know, other parts of the world than possibly like more wealthier parts of the world, but also like living in Northern California, like really is horrible. <laughs> and, um, at times, you know, that I, I just, all I want to do is say like, here's what it's like to live through fire season. And I, cause I just had nothing else to say. And like, I wrote an article for Harper's this, for the women's magazine, Harper's Bazaar. Uh-huh. And I wrote about how we were getting our kitchen remodeled and how like it was on the one hand, it was like, I was really happy to be getting our kitchen remodeled, but I couldn't quite enjoy it. Cause I was like, well, how long is this kitchen going to last? Mm. You know, I think there are people even who live here, but I think people elsewhere who really think that that's like hysterical, like that that's just like over that like, oh, I'm just making this all about me. I definitely feel like there's this way that you're not, if you're like a good person and you're not supposed to worry about yourself, you're making, like, you're the main, you have like main character syndrome or something, but like, right. so I got this private message on a, a, a direct message on Twitter from this person that was like, either had, or I didn't, I don't remember exactly either had survived or was surrounded by people who had survived paradise. And he, and they, and the person was like, I don't know their name or even like, I don't know anything about them. They were like, you're a horrible person. Um, you're, you know, all these people in paradise lost their houses and you're like worried about, you know, your kitchen, you know, that you're remodeling your kitchen and you're not happy about it because your house might burn down. And I was like, and it made me feel really bad. Hmm. Like it made me feel so bad. <laughs> and um, because I know that I'm, I know that I'm lucky, but I also feel incredibly unlucky and so sad. And I feel sad for, <laughs> for everyone, you know, and I also, um, I also was like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> like I'm allowed to, like, I, I don't, I, I, you know, I feel bad for the, I'm glad that I didn't live in paradise. I'm glad that my house didn't burn down in paradise. Like, and I feel horrible for these people, but like, why is it that, you know, and that person's probably really angry. Like, I don't, you know, whatever. I, I, and I don't blame them. And I feel like that's what we're doing to each other. Like we're devouring each other over, you know, something that's really been like caused by, by capitalism and by like the fact that we have to like 
in order for the, for these people to just make money and keep making money. Like people have to work harder. We have to drive more. We have to always be going places. We have to like buy all these clothes to be able to go to work. We have to be able to like take vacations to recover from the shitty jobs that we don't really have to have. Like that, the, like that we could just sort of like live on this earth as humans enjoying it. And it's been destroyed yeah. by the system. And then people are just like, I'm getting messages from someone who's like, well, how dare you be unhappy that your house, because you still have a house. And I'm like, my house can burn down any fucking day. I'm 52 years old. And I really wish I were just sort of like, here I am. I'm just going to live in this house until I die. And like, I'm probably not going to be able to do that. And I don't know, you know, what the world's going to be like when I'm old. And like, am I going to be like living in the woods? Am I going to be like, um, and I know lots of people like already live in the woods, you know, right. and like lots of people like live next to the train tracks and I don't live there and I should be happy about that, but I don't feel happy. I feel like scared and, you know, I don't feel unhappy all the time. And like, yes, I love my house and my new kitchen and like, I'm lucky, but I also feel like wow, like we, you know, I, it's just, it's a really intense thing to be living through like the extinction of the human race. Yeah. And that said, you know, our, our conditions and our circumstances in California and our proximity or adjacency to tragedy cannot and should not disqualify us from happiness, you know, or enjoying the life that we have. No, I, I, no, I agree. And I, I do have like lots of, you know, fun. Like I went to a hot springs this weekend with my friends and my partner, like, and we went to an ecstatic dance thing that our friend was DJing at. Like I, you know, and I, there is all that. And I do, I do enjoy things. And like, I work in a wine store and it's like really fun. And <clears throat> so but there's that, but it's like, it's mixed with, I just never, I don't feel like the, the, like the sun disappeared. Like remember when the sun disappeared, like two months, two years ago, I just like something just died inside me then. And it just has never come back. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it ever will. I don't think that's something I could be like talked out of. When you talk to folks outside California, what do you sense is their biggest misunderstanding about the state? I guess mostly, so I don't know. I mean, I guess most of the people I talk to that don't live in California, honestly live in New York or Massachusetts or Maine or Vermont or whatever. And I don't think people that live on the East, uh, well, and that, you know, New York's been like 70 degrees and all that, but I don't know. I think that they know what it's like to live with like the kind of fear that we live with here. Like I saw a meme the other day that was some joke about pizza and it was like pizza from different places. And it was like California fire pizza. And I was like, that is so not funny to me. Like I almost like wrote, it was like on Instagram. I almost wrote like, and it was funny because the person who posted it, actually, I I pitched a story to them once where all these kids from Gunn High School, I think that's a Palo Alto public high school that's like had killed themselves. And I was just like, I would never write anything like this now, but it's just like a whatever. I was just like, I I was like, I think these people are killing themselves because of climate change. Like, I think that's why teenagers are killing themselves. Or it's like, you know, there's like sexuality issues or there's like depression around whatever, around pressure around high school. But I was just like, I think that that's like why they're killing themselves. And I kind of want to write about it. And she wrote back like, why are you so obsessed with climate change? And it was during like the drought that was before, before he had like the slight reprieve from the drought that we're in now. And I was, just, and she's the one who hosted the meme on Instagram. She's like a perfectly fine person, whatever, but I, 
and I, I just was, I don't, I just don't know if they understand like what it's, what it's like to live with like this fear. And, you know, I, I still feel even guilty saying this because I know that some people would listen to this or read this and be like, Sarah Miller just feels so sorry for herself. Mm-mm. But that stuff affects me because it's like, I do, it is really difficult for me, but I, and I, I don't know, I think it's difficult for lots of people. Um, and, but I also don't want to like suck up all the like energy or sorrow of like have this. I want to like be there for other people or like just be like useful and not just like a black hole or whatever. But, and I, I probably, I don't know. I just, I'm just very aware of like the feelings I have, like being like, they're, they're bad enough to have, but then there's just a lot. I think there's a lot of judgment around like people being sad or feeling bad feeling scared about stuff and saying that I think like I don't know there's like some I don't know quite how people are supposed to respond to living through the extinction of the human race like what sort of affect they're supposed to take on but I feel like it's you know I I just I feel like it's something that I'm like not doing right (laughs) well uh since we're the first uh I guess cohort the sixth extinction cohort yeah we're the first uh to live through this uh in, in a while uh, maybe the only to live through it i think there is no playbook for this so i think you're yeah. doing your best we end with the same question for all guests oh right who is your favorite californian past or present and why uh, i think my favorite past californian is my dog merle Oh, right. And then my favorite current Californian is my dog, Ruthie, who um, they found wandering around, um, I think, uh, Willows. She's from the Chico shelter. So I think Willows is the W town that's near Chico. I can never remember. It's like Williams, Willits, Willows. Anyway, so is that a cop out answer? I love that answer. You know, Merle, Merle uh, came from Fresno, I think. I think that her owner got her in Fresno and she was just, she was a blue healer and she was just a real like tough, like uh, up at li- living up in the mountains with her first, her first parent who was like a tree scientist and kind of a really weird dude. His name was Don Harkin. He's like a Nevada County legend, but he trained Merle really well. And then we managed to untrain her, turn her into like a terrible, like garbage scrounging uh, dog by the time she died um we we got her after after he died and uh you know Ruthie is um not a very hardy dog but she does love to run around in the forest in California it's like her favorite thing she likes to leap over logs and I just love I really have enjoyed seeing both of those dogs like in like like I just love the fact that they don't know what's going on and I love being able to see them just enjoy like the woods in California and, and, um, in Northern California, it really has brought me so much happiness. And I I guess still get to see Ruthie, Ruthie do that. She runs around in the woods with, with her cousin, Oscar, who's not really her cousin, but, um, and she just has a really great time jumping over, uh, puddles. And when we have them, Mm-hmm. Um, and, and logs and, um, branches. And I just like seeing her cute, her cute little body move through the, 
the landscape um, and, and without the knowledge that it's uh, very compromised. <laughs> Sarah Miller, thank you so much for being with me today. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you for having me. I'm sorry I cried on your podcast. All right, there you have it. Sarah Miller. Thank you very much to Sarah for dropping by What is California this week. It's awesome to talk to her. I'm a big fan of hers. Remember to check out her newsletter, The Real Sarah Miller on Substack. You can also check out her podcasts there as well. What is California is produced, hosted, and edited by me, Stu Van Earsdale. Our theme music is by Sound Supreme. You can find us on Twitter at WhatCalifornia and subscribe to our Substack newsletter at whatiscalifornia.substack.com. You can support What Is California on Patreon, patreon.com slash whatiscalifornia. If you want to chip in a few shekels to keep the cloud servers running and keep our headquarters cat fed, feel free to email me at hello at whatiscalifornia.com. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, love notes, hate mail, or anything else I haven't even thought of yet, it's always a pleasure to hear from you. Please subscribe to What Is California wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, I'd love it if you rated and reviewed it on Apple Podcasts. That does help new listeners find us. And it's a nice little pat on the butt every now and then. That's going to do it from What Is California HQ in beautiful Sacramento, California. I will catch you next time. Remember, until then, as always, keep your eye on the bear. <laughs>